What's up, everybody? This is the Around the Bases podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. Welcome to Season 3 of covering college softball, as well as some professional and Team USA softball. Um, Forgive uh, forgive me if you hear some noise in the background. Uh, I got... um, soccer on TV, so I'm kind of multitasking as I'm doing this, so don't be scared of um, if you hear some background noise. That having been said, we the softball season starts tomorrow in Division One soccer, uh, excuse me, softball. Um, lot to look forward to this season coming off of last year's very successful season. Um, some changes are coming. Um, I'm going to talk more about that as we go through this. Um, just stick with me. Um, you're going to hear my thoughts on everything, uh, or a ton of things, a ton of movement. Um, so that having been said, let's go ahead and just dive right in. Um, starting with video review has been approved for the, uh, uh, 2021-22 season, which is obviously this season starts tomorrow. Um, with that coaches will get two video review challenges and video replay can be used at the discretion of those involved in each game, whether they want to use it or not. So, not every game will use video review. Um, I would assume that the majority of the games that will use video review will be games on national TV or ACC Network, SEC Network, ESPN Plus might use some. Um, maybe even uh, Longhorn Network. Um, but I don't expect many games other than those that are going to have video review, although it would be nice to have universally. But not every game is shown on a TV or, you know, what other... You know, some games just aren't streamed live or for whatever reason. And and that's okay. Um, Maybe Flow Softball will use... Uh, some video review for the Puerto Vallarta College Challenge that's happening this weekend, or uh, when they go out to the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. Um, not a hundred percent sure how it's going to video reviews of essentially going to be utilized this season, but it's huge for the game. Everybody has been asking for this for a while now. And it's finally here and ready to roll for this season. And it's a very good sign. Um, you know, it's important to get calls right and get things right. And video review is an absolute huge component to that. Like you're seeing with VAR and soccer or video review in baseball. Uh, college baseball has video review. Now we can add it to the uh, so, uh, college softball scene. Um, so video review is absolutely essential in order to get a call right. Basketball's instituted, uh, NBA's instituted video review and challenges for coaches. The NFL's all done that for quite some time now, so it's nice to see that college softball is jumping on that trend. And it it's absolutely right for the game so that we make sure we get calls right. Now, the only thing is we don't want it taking too long that it takes away from the game. Uh, And we'll worry about that as we go throughout the season. This is going to be pretty much a learning curve for video review this season. But hopefully everything goes well and we can keep with it and make sure that this stays in the game for as long as we can. And moving on to the Women's College World Series, it's expanding from seven to nine days. And this is hugely important because it's a huge step in the right direction after some of the fiascos that happened 
uh, in Oklahoma City last season. Um, you know, uh, I don't remember which game it was, but they went until 2 o'clock in the morning Eastern time or 1 a.m. local. Um, and that's that's something that should not be part of the game. You wouldn't see college baseball doing that uh, in Omaha for the College World Series. Um, that's just something you wouldn't see most games, especially when it's in the local time zone that it's ending that late. That's just something that needed to change, and at least the Women's College World Series is starting to make those changes so that it's more on the same level of equality as the College World Series on the men's, on the baseball side. So that's important. Um, the way that's going to work, teams that lose on the first day won't have to play a doubleheader on the third day in order to survive. So they'll only, so basically it extends out, their day will extend another day if they do end up winning on that uh, third day and surviving. Also, teams that make the championship series will have a day of rest before the championship best of three series. So that's certainly important um, as at least the winning or the two teams that are going to play for the national championship at least get a little bit of rest as they head into a absolutely massive showdown for all the marbles. Um, and like I said, this is moving in the right direction. Um, thankfully, the, the level of play at the Women's College World Series is pr very high, which is why the Women's College World Series draws better ratings than, say, the College World Series on the baseball side in Omaha. It's it's just a more exciting game college softball is and a lot more people want to watch it on TV um, I'm hoping this year maybe they can at least get maybe a couple more games of the World Series on ABC college softball should at least get a few games hopefully this season on ABC maybe they get flexed into those spots or what have you um as the Nationals TV schedule stands as of now, there's nothing on ABC. But obviously, you know, TV schedules can change down the line. Um, but with what Major League Baseball is going through and their lockout right now, I would love to see more college softball games be elevated onto ESPN. Um, I, I know they might do it more for college baseball, but... I would like to see college softball be able to fill in the voids that might be left in this lockout situation that we have going on right now in Major League Baseball. But this isn't a baseball podcast, so we're going to move on away from that topic. Um, and let's move on to the big name transfers. Uh, the transfers. All right, so let's start with Skylar Wallace. She had already transferred from Alabama to Florida, but she had to sit out last season, so she's ready to. So we'll get to see her in Gainesville this year, which is a huge get. She was absolutely huge for Alabama during her time there, and I'm interested to see what she can do in that Gator blue instead of the crimson red. Um,. It's very interesting to see a transfer from Alabama to Florida in the within the SEC. That just seems kind of weird to me personally. Um, but, you know, if that's the best fit for her, then that's absolutely the route she should go. And she's taken it, and we're going to see what kind of season she has for the Gators. Um, ranked, I believe they were ranked fourth in one major poll and fifth in another they're basically top five or at the very least they're top 10 in every major um preseason polls so i'm interested to see what she can bring to that program hopefully it's a good transition for her 
Um, another SEC in SEC transfer from Alabama, KB Sides is transferring or transferred from Alabama to Arkansas. I'm very interested to see how she fits into their lineup. Arkansas coming off of that uh, SEC regular season title last season. I think it's going to be very intriguing to see what she can bring to that team. Uh, she was decent with Alabama as well, so I'm very intrigued to see what she can do in Fayetteville in her first season. McKenna Dowell is transferred from Auburn to Minnesota. She brought a decent defense and a solid batting average um, over to the Golden Gophers, and I'm sure they're looking to replace some of the talent that they lost from last year's team that uh, went down in the Los Angeles Regional. Um, and I think McKenna Dowell can fit in nicely into their plans uh, moving forward. Um, moving on, a little lesser-known name from out of the Pac-12 you might not know, uh, Laura Esp Lauren Espelin. She transferred from Cal to Minnesota as well. So she will also be a part of that lineup with McKenna Dowell. And I think Minnesota has played the transfer portal very well in terms of getting their um, getting their lineups, uh, their batting lineup reset and ready to go for this season. Ultimately, I still think Michigan's going to win, win the Big Ten. And we'll get into that discussion a little bit later. But I think Minnesota is rebuilding their, uh, not necessarily rebuilding, they're retooling their lineup in order to fit their needs moving forward. And I think Minnesota is still going to have a good season. Um, I know they lost Amber Pfizer in the circle, but Autumn Pease should be able to step in and be that ace because they were a good one-two combo. I expect her to stay strong as an ace. Um, Logan Kamal didn't play for Clemson last year in the circle. I think she was also a hitter as well the season in Clemson's first season. Uh, but she transferred to Loyola Marymount. I think that's a huge piece for Loyola Marymount. If they can get an ace in the circle and one that can hit as well. Um, I don't remember for sure if she was a hitter or not, but I think she, um, she was absolutely a great pitcher with Clemson in their first season. Um, so I'm 100% excited to see what she can bring to Loyola Marymount in a conference that's outside of BYU pretty weak, in my opinion, in the West Coast Conference. But... Well, I'm excited to see what she can bring to the table. Brianna Butler was a big piece for Duke. She's transferring to Ivy League Princeton. Um, not sure I'm going to get a lot of opportunities to follow how she's doing or going to do this season. Uh, but I'm interested to see if she can produce some numbers for Princeton the way she did for Duke. Allie Repko, a mid-major from Elon is transferred to Virginia Tech this offseason. Um, and having been with James Madison softball in my past as a student manager, I got to see Allie Repco a few times. And Allie Repco is certainly a player worthy of a Power 5 school. Um, I think Virginia Tech is the perfect place for her to be able to up her game to the Power 5 level. Um, and I think she's going to have a big season for Virginia Tech. Um, you can go ahead and bookmark that or do whatever you want with it. But that's the way I see her season playing out. James Madison is losing their... Um, their star shortstop from their World Series run last season, Sarah Jubis. She transferred to North Carolina to be a part of their pharmacy program. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing her as 
North Carolina was always my favorite school growing up. So I'm excited to see what Sarah Jubas can do for that North Carolina program that's sort of in a rebuild. Um, they're not, they haven't been as strong as they have been as of late last season. Um, but I'm hoping that she can bring a level of experience and, excuse me, leadership that North Carolina needs to be able to get back towards the upper echelon of the ACC. Um, two transfers from NC State, Sam Russ. Very clutch hitter for NC State, transferred to Clemson, which I think is a very interesting move. And I think Clemson was lacking clutch hitting at times last season, even though they were a fantastic team. Specifically in that ACC championship against Duke, they were just lacking clutch hitting. So I think Sam Russ could be a huge piece. And Estelle Check, a pitcher who didn't really get a lot of opportunity at NC State, transferred to Texas so she'll be joining a kind of stacked staff but we'll get into that here in a minute Hope Troutwain you may remember her as the perfect game pitcher from North Texas she transferred to Oklahoma of all schools as if Oklahoma needed another outstanding pitcher in the circle coming off of a uh, World Series championship. Um, so I'm excited to see what she can bring coming from the Conference USA over to the Big 12, which is an extremely big step up from the Conference USA. Um, I'm interested to see how she would uh, she pitches against a Oklahoma State or a Texas, who are both ranked in the top 10 preseason. So that's going to be interesting to see how she transitions and if she can still maintain her level of success. <clears throat> Jessica Puck uh, was a key piece of Ole Miss's team. Now she's transferred out west to Arizona State. Interested to see what she can bring to the Sun Devil program and see if Arizona State can make some noise in in the Pac-12. Alyssa Brito was a good member of that Oregon team. And now she transferred to Oklahoma. So another piece, Oklahoma not rebuilding. They're retooling and looking to go for back-to-back -back national championships. And I think Oregon, uh, Oklahoma could eat... If, Oklahoma wanted to, I think they could very easily end up undefeated. But I'm not going to go there yet because there's always things that can happen during a season that can derail that. So we'll just leave it at that. Callie Turner transferred from Tennessee to Arkansas. So that's a good pitcher in the circle that Tennessee is losing. But they have Ashley Rogers still in the circle. So Tennessee will be just fine. <coughs> But Callie Turner, I think, brings another dynamic pitcher that Arkansas might have needed this season. I think Arkansas was losing one of their uh, dynamic duo in the circle, so I think Callie Turner can step up and fill that void. Also, Allie Shipman, who is Madison Shipman's sister, younger sister, is transferring from Tennessee and is going to Alabama to be their catcher since they lost um, Bailey Hemphill. Uh, so I think Allie Shipman will be a huge piece for Alabama behind the plate. Brings in a ton of experience from her time at Tennessee. And uh, I think coach at Alabama, yeah, he's set and ready to roll as they're ranked in the top five. Noelle He uh, was a, a good piece in the lineup for Washington. She's transferring to San Diego. Um, it's an interesting decision. I don't think I'm going to get a lot of feedback for this season for her, but 
Um, I, you know, if there are games that come across where San Diego makes some noise and she's a part of it, I'll be excited to see that. Allie Dubois, the outstanding Boston University pitcher, is transferring or transferred to Florida State. So Florida State picks up another piece that can go along with Catherine Sandercock in the circle. I'm interested to see how her game translates from Patriot League competition to ACC competition. She can pitch the same way she did against, say, Clemson, Duke, Virginia Tech. I am would very excited to see what she can bring to that table. Miranda Elish. She didn't play last season due to COVID concerns. Didn't want to get uh, spread anything to her family. She is taking her last season to transfer over to Oklahoma State. She'll take over for Carrie Eberly, who leaves the program, and Miranda Ellis immediately becomes the ace of that team. And I very much look forward to watching her for Oklahoma State because I missed watching her last season. Very excited to have her back and playing. And lastly, Haley Dolcini. You might not know that name offhand, uh, but if you watched the Los Angeles Regional last year, you'll know that name because she pitched phenomenally for Fresno State. And Fresno State was a very decent mid-major team. I mean, Haley Dulcini out-dueled Amber Pfizer, I believe. I think that's who they faced. I know Fresno State beat Minnesota, and I believe Haley Dulcini out-dueled uh, Amber Pfizer in that game. It might have been Autumn Pease, but either way, Haley Dulcini 100% earned the victory in that game, however you want to put it. But, um, so those are your big-name transfers. Um very interested to see how this group does this season and we'll keep up with more people and players transferring out during the season as that news breaks and we'll continue to monitor it throughout the uh, season now let's move on to a little conference realignment talk some very interesting stuff here um Let's start with Texas and Oklahoma, who started this whole conference realignment shift. They're leaving the Big 12 for the SEC in the next few years. Um, so basically, the SEC depth just got even stronger with the addition of the reigning national champion and a very, very up-and-coming Texas team. Um... So the SEC, the the embarrassment of riches just got even bigger for the SEC. Um, but moving on to some others, Central Arkansas and Eastern Kentucky entered the Atlantic Sun this season from the Southland and the Ohio Valley Conference. Jacksonville State is also coming into the Atlantic Sun as they transition to over to Conference USA with Liberty in the next couple years. I think next year, actually. Um, and Austin P will also be joining the Atlantic Sun from the Ohio Valley on July 1st of this year. So I think that's a good addition for the Atlantic Sun if Austin P can get some momentum rolling as they move forward. I think that could be a very strong addition for the Atlantic Sun. Central Arkansas and Eastern Kentucky are great additions uh, for the Atlantic Sun. Although that does kind of cripple the Southland and the Ohio Valley, but I mean, it, it, it is what it is. It's all about getting a conference that is bigger and better, it seems like nowadays, as I continue through these. Stony Brook will join the CAA on July 1st of this year. Uh, they're being banned from conference tournament, like another couple teams I'll get to in a minute, uh, but Hampton will be joining Stony Brook in the CAA as well as Monmouth will be joining the CAA from the Metro Athletic Athletic 
Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, or as I call it, the MAAC. Um, so the the Metro Athletic the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference is losing a good one in Monmouth. Um, I could very, I they honestly they they're my pick to win the the MAAC this year. Um, since they didn't provide a preseason poll as of this recording. But I think the CAA didn't really get much better, as I will talk about in a minute. Uh, but Central Florida and Houston are leaving the American with BYU for the Big 12 no later than 2024. So I think the Big 12 is absolutely getting stronger, adding Central Florida and BYU. Houston, if they can get some momentum going, they could be of great value for the Big 12. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see on that one. And to compensate with those losses, the American is getting UAB, Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, and UC, UTSA from the Conference USA. Um, UAB is a big get. Charlotte, the preseason champion of the Conference USA, and North Texas, even though they lost Hope Troutwine now. Um, those are some very decent additions for the uh, the American as Conference USA continues to devolve into chaos. Um, but New Mexico State and Sam Houston will also be joining the Conference USA with Liberty and Jacksonville State in the near future. So there is that as well. Um, <clears throat> Loyola Chicago will join the Atlantic 10 from the Missouri Valley on July 1st of this year. That's not necessarily a big headline team, but that's another one to take note of. Southern Utah will be leading the Big Sky for the Western Athletic Conference, or the WAC, in 2022. Incarnate Word will be joining the WAC from the Southland. So once again, the Southland's getting beat up. Texas A&M Commerce will be joining from Division II um, following on July 1st as of this year as well as well as UTA leaving the Sun Belt for the WAC. Marshall, ODU, and Southern Miss will be leaving Conference USA for the Sun Belt by next or by 2020 July 1st, 2023. James Madison is also joining the Sun Belt from the CAA, although theirs will be on July 1st of this year. And Again, I will mention it. They are banned from CAA championships while the move is being completed. And as a former James Madison student softball student manager, this pisses me off so much. But I can't get into that into the in depths of that here. That's this is not the sole focus on JMU softball, but it just pisses me off. And lastly. The other team banned from conference championships, UIC, is banned from the Horizon League championships as they're leaving for the Missouri Valley Conference. Now, uh, the Ohio Valley is losing Belmont and Murray State also to the Missouri Valley. So a ton of shifting going on in conference realignment this year and in the next couple years. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, so if you followed all of that conference realignment news with me, kudos to you. Thank you for listening to all of that going on. But let's dive into some things. The SEC schedule has been released. Um, I'll give you some of the highlights. March 11th through 13th, opening weekend of SEC play, you got Alabama at LSU. Um... Tennessee at Missouri should be an absolutely fantastic series. Now, some of these series might be thrown onto a Monday night, so that way they're on SEC Network. Um, but that's we can talk about that later. Um, March 18th through the 20th, 
Kentucky is at Alabama. Should be a fantastic one. Arkansas at Tennessee. Um, Ole Miss at Mississippi State. The Egg Bowl. That should be fun as well. March 25th through the 27th, you got LSU at Arkansas. Auburn at Kentucky. I want to see if Auburn can get um, better from last year. Um, Tennessee at Florida should be a fantastic series. Mizzou at Ole Miss. April 1st through 3rd, you got Georgia at Alabama. Arkansas at Ole Miss. Kentucky at LSU. So those are the highlights of that weekend. April 8th through the 10th. Alabama at Florida is the highlight. Auburn at Arkansas. Tennessee at Georgia. Ole Miss at Kentucky. Should be fantastic series that weekend. April 15th through the 17th. Kentucky at Arkansas. Florida at Ole Miss. April 22nd through the 24th, you got Arkansas at Florida, um, LSU at Georgia, Missouri at Kentucky. April 29th through May 1st, you got Florida at LSU, you got Tennessee at Ole Miss. May 6th through 8th, the final weekend of the regular season, you got Mizzou at Alabama, should be a fantastic series. Um, Ole Miss at Georgia, and then May 10th through 14th, the SEC tournament will be hosted by Florida this year down in Gainesville, so that's very exciting. Um, we'll talk more about this tournament next on the next week's podcast, but St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational Field was announced, and it includes Auburn, Clemson, Florida State, LSU, Michigan, Northwestern, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Texas, Texas Tech, Central Florida, South Florida, UCLA, Washington, and Wisconsin. So yet again, another stacked tournament uh, down in Clearwater. Um, And like I said, I'll be doing more previews and things of that like next week for that. Uh, But I just wanted to let you know what the field looks like next week. Um, And I'll let you know what networks those games are on as well. Uh, But I mentioned a couple preseason conference polls earlier. So let's look through the preseason conference champions. The American says Wichita State will be the champion. And I have no reason to doubt that as they are returning a lot of their key pieces The Shockers should be a very decent mid-major team. Well, I wouldn't consider them a mid-major, but look out for Central Florida and South Florida in that conference as well. Big 12, naturally the reigning national champion. Oklahoma picked as the champion. Oklahoma State and Texas can give them a run for their money as well. Big East, Villanova with Paige Rao in the circle. Absolutely, I agree with this pick. Um, I think UConn is better than people want to give them credit for. They were picked third in the Big East, but watch out for UConn. UConn proved they can play with Villanova last season in the Big East tournament. Atlantic Sun, no surprise here. Liberty is picked as the champion. Makes sense. I mean, Central Arkansas could give them a run for their money. Maybe Florida Gulf Coast. Kennesaw State's an interesting one to look at. Big South picked Campbell, the Fighting Camels, to win. The ACC picked Florida State, uh, but at the top, you got Clemson, Duke, Virginia Tech, um, right there with Florida State at the top, in my opinion. Missouri Valley picked Northern Iowa to win their conference this year. Big Sky picked Weber State. Um, no surprise, Weber State has been the best program in the Big Sky for several years now. Um, so we'll see if they can hang on to that title. SEC, no surprise, Alabama's picked as the champion, and I think that's rightly so until someone knocks them off this season in the SEC. 
CAA picked James Madison to win, but obviously with James Madison being barred from the conference championship, this is just regular season only. They're, Delaware is a good team as well, and I would fully expect Delaware to win the automatic bid in the CAA. Sunbelt, Louisiana was picked as the champion. No shocker there, but I expect to see South Alabama, Texas State, and Troy all compete for that uh, regular season crown. The SWAC is divided into, or the Southwestern Athletic Conference is divided into two divisions, East-West, East Alabama State, West Texas Southern were predicted as the champions. The Ohio Valley, Southeast Missouri was picked as the champion. No real shocker there. SEMO has been pretty good for several years in that conference. Southern Conference, UNCG, or UNC Greensboro. They've been a very solid mid-major program. Northeast Conference, St. Francis U. Another good mid-major team led by Grace Vesco. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, she can do this season. Pac-12, UCLA. Uh, but expect Washington and Arizona to be able to battle for that top spot in the Pac-12. And we'll have a little bit of news here about the Pac-12 in a minute. Uh, Southland, McNeese State, picked as the champion. They're always a team that gives LSU and some of the other Louisiana teams some trouble. So I'm always interested in seeing them. America East champion, UMBC, behind Courtney Coppersmith. I expect her to be as dominant as she was last year. And fully expect UMBC to stay on top. The MEAC, or Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, Morgan State and Norfolk State tied atop the coaches' polls, so those are your um, your co-champions of the preseason, as it were. The WAC is div divided into two divisions this year because they have more teams than they're used to, so WAC West, Seattle U, WAC East, Stephen F. Austin. That's also new. Uh, I forgot to add that onto the conference realignment. Stephen F. Austin's in the WAC now. Um, Mountain West Conference, UNLV and San Diego State were tied atop the polls. Big West, Cal State Fullerton. No surprise there. Uh, Patriot League, Boston University, even though they lost their star pitcher in the circle. Conference USA, I mentioned it earlier, was Charlotte. Atlantic 10, George Washington, even though they're missing Jenna Cohn, I still think they very well have enough pieces to win the Atlantic 10. And lastly, the Summit League picked South Dakota State. Now, North Dakota State has been traditionally the power of the Summit League, but I think the tide has turned into the South Dakota State's favor, so I like the Jackrabbits. Six conferences didn't announce their preseason poll as of this recording, including the Big Ten, which I would expect Michigan to win, but look out for Minnesota as well. Horizon League, um, I think Youngstown State is going to repeat as champion. The MAAC or Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, uh, Monmouth, while they're still allowed to participate as conference, or I think still wins the conference despite leaving for the CAA. Uh, the MAC, uh, I think it's a tight contest between Miami of Ohio and Kent State. Not sure who would be on top. Ivy League, I have legitimately no idea. The Ivy League didn't play last year. Columbia was picked in 2020 to be the Ivy League champion. Um, I Honestly, I have no idea. I don't watch enough of the Ivy League to give you thorough analysis of their conference. Um, and lastly, the West Coast Conference. It's, B, it's BYU and Loyola Marymount, but I think BYU is clearly the king of that conference. And I mentioned the Pac-12 starting in the 2023 season, so next year, the Pac-12 will have a conference tournament featuring all nine teams. 
tons of excitement for this. I think the Pac-12. I, I think the Pac-12 was hurting from not having a conference tournament. I just think having a conference tournament setting at the end of the regular season is one of the most exciting things that you can do in sport in college athletics. And I think Pac, the Pac-12 was kind of missing out on that. I mean, I get one-off games may not be better than, say, a three-game series against one of your top... I mean, because you're not guaranteed to play one of your top teams in the Pac-12 on that final weekend. So that's why I think this is much needed, and I think the Pac-12 will benefit greatly from this moving forward specifically when it comes to the selection committee. Excuse me. All that having been said, let's move on to the week one schedule. Tomorrow, you got Georgia at UCF on ESPN+. You got Ole Miss, Oregon, late night showed. Well, not not necessarily late night for their, where they're at, but... Uh, and then Oklahoma State at Arizona State at the Kajikawa Classic. Looking forward to see what Oklahoma State can produce in their first game of the season tomorrow. Friday, you got Longwood, Georgia at Georgia. No, Longwood versus Georgia. Longwood, after having gotten, I believe they were no hit by Georgia, they actually beat Georgia at Georgia last year. So I'm very intrigued to see this matchup again. Oklahoma State Duke Kajikawa Classic. Very excited for that matchup. Georgia Minnesota, another great non conference matchup. Looking forward to seeing what Minnesota does without Amber Pfizer as the sole star. South Alabama at LSU. Um, South Alabama behind Olivia Lackey was very good last year, and I want to see if she can go into Baton Rouge and give them a problem. Utah-Oklahoma State at the Kajikawa Classic. Um, I'm not real high on Utah, but I'm interested to see if they can hang around with Oklahoma State. Quite possibly the game of the day on Friday, Texas and Clemson. Very much looking forward to this matchup. I mean, you could have Haley Dulcini, Shea O'Leary versus... Um, Valerie Cagle in the circle, and those lineups. Oh, Texas Clemson's the one you gotta watch on Friday. Arkansas Washington down in Mexico at the Puerto Vallarta College Challenge. That's a very good matchup as well. I think Washington will win, but I think Arkansas has enough pieces to make it a extremely competitive game. Mississippi State Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma essentially opening their uh, campaign with Mississippi State. I don't think Mississippi State hangs around. I think Oklahoma pretty much comes out of the gate and runs over them. Minnesota at UCF is or Central Florida is a very intriguing matchup that I look forward to. UAB at Louisiana for a doubleheader on Friday. UAB has been a headache to top opposition in the past and I look forward to seeing if they can be that way for Louisiana Kennesaw State at Florida State I mentioned Kennesaw State earlier um, they I believe they very nearly beat Florida State in the NCAA tournament in the regionals last year so very intrigued to see what Kennesaw State brings to the table at Florida State Ole Miss it's Cal State Fullerton Want to see if Cal State Fullerton can take down an SEC team. Notre Dame, Boston U. I want to see what Boston University does in their first game without Ali Dubois against a Power 5 opponent. And Washington, Long Beach State from Puerto Vallarta. Saturday. Georgia, Fresno State. Want to see what Fresno State can do without Haley Dolcini and see if they can pressure a Power 5 opponent. Florida-Michigan is another fantastic early season matchup. Minnesota-Georgia, Ole Miss-Cal, 
South Alabama at LSU again. UCLA, Mississippi State. So we're going to learn a lot about Mississippi State in these first couple days as they take on the essentially the top two of the top three teams in the country. Um, Central Arkansas at LSU. Central Arkansas has been known to give Power 5 teams problems such as LSU. Utah Duke at the Kajikawa Classic. The headline game of the weekend, Oklahoma-UCLA, without a doubt, is the best game of this weekend, and I very much look forward to keeping up with that game. Another highlight matchup, Alabama at Arizona. I want to see if Arizona can hold off this Alabama team behind Montana Fouts. Duke at Arizona State at the Kajikawa Classic. Washington, Arkansas again at Puerto Vallarta. Tulsa, UAB. Uh, Fresno State at Central Florida. Michigan at South Florida. Again, Kennesaw State, Florida State. North Texas at Louisiana. I'm intrigued to see what North Texas does at a top 25 team without Hope Troutwine in the circle. Oregon State, Alabama. Again, Notre Dame, Boston University, and Arkansas, Long Beach State from Puerto Vallarta. Sunday, Utah Duke, Kajikawa Classic. Georgia, Longwood. Central Arkansas at LSU. Tulsa, UAB. Tulsa at Louisiana. Florida at South Florida. Very interested in that one because that's an in-state matchup, and South Florida could behind Georgina Court could very well take down Florida. Fresno State, Minnesota. Notre Dame at Charlotte. Um, a decent ACC team at the projected Conference USA champion. Of course, I'm interested in that. North Carolina at South Carolina. Both teams are looking to rebuild and retool. So I'm interested to see how that border war or, or just which Carolina is the best. And then Iowa State at Northern Iowa. Tuesday, a very key matchup early this season, Liberty at Central Florida. Baylor at Stephen F. Austin, I'm intrigued. Baylor, I've been tough on in the past, but I think they sh they should be able to handle the Lumberjacks or Lady Jacks, however they refer to the Stephen F. Austin team. And Florida at Jacksonville. Again, the in-state rivalry piece of this. Jacksonville played them very close last year, so I think it's a very it's a game worth monitoring. And now to the first tournament, <coughs> the first Florida tournament of the season, the Northern Lights Southern Knights. The opening game is Wisconsin-Kentucky tomorrow night. Very much looking forward to that one, seeing if Wisconsin can pull some magic over Kentucky. Friday, I mentioned UConn. I think they're a team definitely that we should be taking or keeping an eye on. So, UConn, Missouri. Kentucky, Liberty. Um, Wisconsin, Virginia Tech. And Northwestern, Virginia Tech. I think honestly the best matchup that I see there is Kentucky Liberty because Liberty is a very very they're a power five level team, um, and I'm intrigued to see what they can do with this schedule, and they'll play Northwestern on Saturday. Mizzou will play Wisconsin on Saturday, and Virginia Tech will play Mizzou. Uh, Virginia Tech Missouri on Saturday that is a game I am absolutely watching or monitoring rather since I don't have flow softball but and then on Sunday to wrap up the tournament you got Virginia Tech against Kentucky and Missouri and Liberty uh, so a ton of games to keep up with this weekend ESPN Plus has a ton of games across ESPN Plus ACC Network Extra um I don't, maybe Big 12 on ESPN Plus. Um, 
SEC Network plus tons of tons of games across the ESPN networks over the next week. Um, and I look forward to watching as much as I can and gaining as much knowledge that I can as we move forward in the season. Um, and some of these mat. Uh, let's see what matchups: Ole Miss, Oregon, Oklahoma State, Duke, Georgia, Minnesota, Texas, Clemson, uh, blah, 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 uh, Florida, Michigan, uh, Oklahoma, UCLA, Alabama, Arizona. Um, those are pretty much the biggest games that I want to watch and keep up with because those are fantastic games and you should be watching them as well so now that we've wrapped up college softball let's go take take a step back and let's look at team usa's performance at the tokyo olympics last summer uh team usa really struggled the entire olymp the entire olympics to produce a lot of runs but thanks to their pitching they didn't really they didn't really need a lot of offense as they could rely upon the arms of Kat Osterman and Monica Abbott in the circle to get them to the gold medal game. Um, unfortunately, luck ran out on Team USA as they finished with the silver medal in a two to nothing loss to Japan. Um, the U.S. actually beat Japan in the final game before the medals. Um, to win home field in that gold medal game. But, like I said, their offense really struggled to manufacture runs the entire tournament, and ultimately that's what did them in against Japan in the gold medal game. So, no softball in the 2024 Paris Olympics. Looking for, uh, We're really looking to have softball back on the Olympic program for the 2028 Olympics here in Los Angeles, which I hope to get to watch in person, hopefully. Still six years down the road, but I'd love to be there to be able to witness it. That having been said, let's recap athletics, excuse me, Athletes Unlimited Season 2 of softball. Alicia Ocasio ran away with the championship in the final week, which ended season two of Athletes Unlimited, as well as the career of Kat Osterman, who will be known without a doubt as one of the best softball players the world has ever seen, or one of the best pitchers. Um... And it was a bittersweet moment watching Kat Osterman's final game, to be honest with you. It was quite emotional. Um, but I was glad I was able to watch it on TV because it was something that was that you just had to tune into to see a legend stepping down from the game. <coughs> Excuse me. It was just something you had to witness. Um... But I'm really looking forward to seeing what Season 3 of Athletes Unlimited brings. Looking forward to seeing some new faces and seeing how they can make the league better than it already is. But in my opinion, it's a pretty, pretty good league in my opinion. But that may just be my opinion. Um... But the last thing I have for you today is there's a new professional league that is set to launch in June of this year. And it will be the Women's Professional Fast Pitch, or WPF. And you can go ahead and follow them on Twitter and Facebook and any other platform, social media platform to stay informed with them. The purpose of the league is to provide long-lasting, viable options for softball players post-collegiate careers. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's why Athletes Unlimited was created, to provide them with an opportunity to play 
professionally after their college career is over. Um, without Athletes Unlimited or the women's professional fast pitch, honestly, the only place you could really play professionally in the U.S. would have been the NPF, but they've basically folded at this point, and the USSSA Pride's essentially the only... And Scrapyard... Or not Scrapyard. They're not Scrapyard anymore. Um, oh, I forgot what they were called now. But there's not really much opportunity for professional softball players in America before Athletes Unlimited. And that's why I think this addition of this league could be very valuable to the game of softball here in America. Because um, if you wanted to play professional softball, your best bet was to play in Japan, and not many Americans are doing that. Um, but this is a great opportunity to be able to grow the game and provide long-term professional playing opportunity. And Lauren Chamberlain, the one of the greatest home run hitters of all time in college softball from Oklahoma, is going to be the commissioner. And the league will range from June 15th to August 15th for the inaugural season. I'm... Very much looking forward to all of these things. Um, I'm just so excited that college softball starts tomorrow. I will be watching as many games as possible over the next uh, four months till the end of the World Series. Um, and if you you want to share your thoughts, you know. Feel free to send me comments, send me what you like, what you don't like, send me things where I can improve, um, what, what things I can do better for you. Um, thank you for lasting for almost an hour of my talking here, getting my thoughts down about the college softball season, as well as professional softball and Team USA. Um, but... I'll leave you with this. Just get try to watch as much softball as you can if you have ESPN Plus or Flow Softball or pretty much anything. Um, some I've seen some teams are playing on YouTube this weekend, so if you want to watch softball there, I've, absolutely do. If you're listening to this, you enjoy softball, college softball. So you should watch as many games as you possible so that you can be as educated and informed as we move throughout the season. And that's my hope for this. Uh, that's my hope for this here in season three of Around the Bases. Um, I just want to be able to keep you informed, let you know of things that are happening, and just, you know, give you what you should be looking out for some teams that you might not be thinking about, but teams that are definitely could be heavy hitters come the, uh, NCAA tournament. Um, but that having been said, like I said, watch softball, softball's back. College soft division one college softball. I remind you is back. Um, I know Division 2, II, Division 3, and JUCO have already had games and stuff, but <clears throat> just Division 1 college softball's back. Enjoy it. Love it. We're back, and we're going to be strong this season with all of the, um, the seats, butts in seats is going to be a wonderful thing to see this year after having some of some restrictions throughout the season last year until the turn NCAA tournament. Um, but it's going to be nice to see packed uh, houses basically for a lot of games now on TV and on ESPN plus and whatever. So watch games this weekend again. I, I look forward to bring for bringing to you the news and highlights and stats um, every week again this year. Might I might be recording Tuesday nights. It might be Wednesdays. Just depends. 
Um, but it'll be released on Wednesday mornings or Wednesday nights. Follow me throughout the season. <clears throat> um, you can follow my Twitter, TylerGregory50, all undercase, lowercase letters. Um, but have a great weekend, every uh, have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the softball. Division One college softball is back. Enjoy it, and let's have fun, everybody. Thank you for listening. Good night.